0: Thank you very much. Good morning. I'm Tom Ivester, an alcoholic. And it's nice to see you. I have uh, learned that Icelandic people like music, particularly at 3 a.m. They, they <laughs> like music. <laughs> the only problem is they only know one song, and they, and they play it with varying levels of intensity, and tempo, with huge drums and (laughs) hard to sleep when your bed's vibrating from the drum. (laughs) I wanted to tell you that because if I look bad, it's not a contradiction of the values of recovery. (laughs) It's great to be here. I, I re- agreed with everything Tote said. <laughs> I don't think he said anything. Kerry and I just did a group conscience. We decided he was mumbling. About <laughs> 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 uh, it is great to be here, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you're kind of bunched up this way because it's, uh, it's a little cozier that way. And what I wanted to do is, uh, well, I want to do what I was asked to do because... Pitour, Pitour, has uh, threatened me bodily with those crutches <laughs> if I deviate at all. So what, what I'll do is they said uh, about forty minutes, which means about forty-five <laughs> with the crutch at hand. And uh, I want to, I want to do th- three basic things about this, this business of trusting God. Uh, that's the kind of a topic that would have scared me to death uh, when I came here. Because uh, I thought anybody, any, anybody that claimed that sort of thing I thought was a kind of a spiritual toy or something that didn't have any real meaning to me except it was scary. So, so I want to I talk a little bit about, about finding the, the, the power for an aggravated case like me. And then a, a little bit about using the power, you you you're making the power functional in my life, and then uh, a little bit about so what happens when when uh, when that goes. On. So that's essentially the, the kind of where I'd like to go. If I run true to form, I'd probably get hung up in the first part of it. I, I was doing a newcomer meeting a few years back. And uh, you know how to say, from, from the mouths of babes, you learn great things. I was doing this newcomer meeting, and there was a, a young lady who said, uh, Can I ask a question? I, I said, Of course you can. And she said, I've been hearing about the spiritual side of the program since I got here. I said, Yeah. She, she said, What's the other side? I said, shut up. (laughs) A great question, eh? What is the other side? (laughs) If if it weren't a spiritual program, we'd be dead meat right now, I I suspect. And so it is a spiritual program. That's the good news today. It was the bad news when I came here. I uh, I was a rather aggravated case. It uh, was a fellow. I won't go into graphic details. We'll, we'll grunt and groan tomorrow. But I'll uh, we'll go into a little bit that uh, you must sit down, Adam. You must. <laughs> there's no way a guy like this could sneak anywhere. You is he gonna is he gonna attract attention? <laughs> you want to see this guy sneaking up on you in a parking lot? <laughs> uh, <coughs> What we were like. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was a guy that was, I, I don't think anything unique about it. I personally have never met a single alcoholic since I've been in AA who hasn't had major difficulties in the spiritual life. I've sponsored ministers and priests, and they tend to have more Anguish in that area than the average cat. So I've never, I've never dealt with anybody who hasn't had a spiritual dilemma, either for, for whatever it comes in a variety of forms and shapes. But 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 I've never met one who doesn't. And, and so I was more typical than atypical. I was a guy who uh, I, I grew up in. You, you probably don't know a lot about the southern United States, but you probably have such a thing in Iceland as well. We we. Uh, we have a thing we call the Bible Belt, and it's, a, it's an area that has a particular re- religious fervor that is a, a lot more animated and a lot more noisy. It's almost like the Icelandic music at 3 a.m., <laughs> larger than life. And uh, many people do well with that. I was introduced to that as a child. As a defenseless child, and I was taken into this Bible Belt fundamentalist religion, and I found it to be extremely scary. It, it was confusing. It was not something encouraging, or uh, that, that I could could as, could have any real interest in, in development. I'm talking about as a preschool youngster, I'm not talking about a rebellious teen. I'm talking about a preschool youngster. When going through that kind of fumbling approach to religion, I discovered that I didn't believe some of that stuff. I mean, I just didn't believe it. And there is an enormous amount of guilt associated when a child is doubting and challenging something as fearsome as the idea of God. And so what happened was a deep sense of guilt about that. A deep sense of, of 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 hidden thoughts and ideas, and I never really shared those ideas with anybody thoroughly until I was in Alcoholics Anonymous for a good while. Though so I, I I engaged people in them in barroom debates about which came first, chicken or the egg, and if God's if God's so good, why does all what are they all the tragic things? We all got into all those kinds of philosophical deals, and. Uh, but but what I what I was was a guy who had thoughts that were so bad that I couldn't surface them. Never shared with a single person, and and so that was my spiritual life. And over time, that went from confusion and doubt and guilt to total disbelief, animosity toward the idea. And uh, when I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous, I was totally empty in anything that could have been been described as a a spiritual life. There was none. And if there was, it was a negative quality and not a positive quality. That doesn't sound like a great place to start recovery in a spiritual program, but that's who I was. And so when I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing I heard was the prayer that I think we closed with last night. (laughs) I didn't understand the words, but I felt the rhythm. <laughs> and uh, so I prayed. I'm, I, well, I'm not sure what I said, I, but I, it, it sounded almost like you guys. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's what I was greeted with when I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was not a good feeling. You know, it, I thought I had walked into a, to some kind of a religious revival, That isn't a real fearsome prayer now. But it it reaffirmed to me what I expected Alcoholics Anonymous to be, was just a bunch of religious zealots and stuff like that. And uh, I never had been confined anywhere that there weren't a bunch of clean old people who would come by and try to talk with you about that kind of stuff. And that that was so foreign to me, it was pitiful. And so that's the guy that was sitting on the, 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 the chair... When I first walked into AA. So how do we deal with a, a, a with a case like that? Thank God for the design of Alcoholics Anonymous. I know that it was put together hurriedly by hopeless cases, <laughs> but thank God for the, the the soundness and the clarity and the utility of how our program's laid out. Because listen to listen to what it said. I, I just say one more thing that, uh, about that. And then, then uh, there was somebody said, uh, a smart person, I can't remember who it was, but a smart person said, what God would use, in so many words, what God would use, he first reduces to nothing. And boy, is that ever us, eh? <laughs> what God would use, he first reduces to nothing. Uh, our program isn't based on achievement or attainment or knowledge, information. Our program, our recovery, is born of the bitter ashes of defeat. And the relationship and trust in God is born of the bitter ashes of defeat. It's not an intellectual process. Uh, It's a spiritual process. And, and so when I walked into Alcoholics and was greeted with that kind of unpleasant notion that this is a spiritual program, not attractive, but thank God for how we approach it, because listen to the second step. It says we came to believe, not we had a conversion experience, not that we had some dramatic burning bush. Once in a while we have that. Our founder had it. I had it a few times, but it turned out to be DTs. <laughs> Some people have that. But it, for, for, for many of us, that, that came to believe is a critical, critical factor in the spiritual life. The great thing about Alcoholics Anonymous, that it turned out for me, was that we start where we are. No matter where that is, we start where we are. Not where we think we ought to be, or not where we'd like to be. We start where we are. And no apology for it. You know, I'm at the point of nothing. And then we grow as we're able to grow. Thank God it became very clear to me early on that alcoholics anonymous is not about getting good. Deliver me from from getting good. Uh, I tell you the truth, I've gotten better than I ever intended to get. I I, I didn't I didn't intend to, I didn't intend to stay sober this long. And I certainly never intended to get this good. Man, I'm disgusting. I'm so good. It's Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we came to believe, and, and it's about getting well, not good. And, and that was tremendously important for me, that I didn't, you know, I had always seen the world, and I saw fellow alcoholics in AA as being at a different level of life than me. And when I would hear people talk about the spiritual life, it sounded like they were from another planet. And I did not relate to that. And yeah, so what I related to was what I saw people who claimed to be God's kids do. I responded to acts of kindness and consideration and courage that defied imagination. When I got real active in the program, you know, started to get really caught up in the physical activities, I, I had the job of inviting speakers. And I invited a fellow one time that I didn't know. I dropped him a note and asked him if he'd come speak. And he sent me a note back, and said, "Sure, be glad to." It came. And when that fellow walked in the meeting, I, I just wanted to crawl away. You ever had that feeling? You just want to disappear. You just want to crawl away and hide somewhere. <laughs> I had written a letter to a guy who said later on he brought some people with him. He only spoke a few minutes. He was terminal with cancer of the throat. And some folks say it doesn't hurt, but it did for him. And and he stood up in a a rather pained kind of voice, didn't know, no melodrama, no high drama about his condition. He shared what he was able to share. Well, it doesn't get any more spiritual than that for me. So I came to believe because of what I saw God's kids do. And then I came to believe. There were thing. There was a thing in a meeting we went. I went to the meeting Thursday night, and uh, there was a there was a sign that uh, that that said, "Who am I to say there's no God?" Yeah. And that's a great sign because that was one of the mileposts on my way to some spirituality, just accepting the fact. That who am I? I am one pea-brained human, just a pebble of sand on the beach. And I'm going to be arrogant enough to just defy every learned person in the world. There is no such thing as that. I've declared it so. (laughs) 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 But that was me. And, and, And so that whole business of surrender and opening up so that something could come in. I'll tell you, the, the first belief that I ever really had by the way, if you don't recognize that glow, that's the sun. <laughs> I understand it doesn't appear very often. <laughs> the first power that I ever ever truly believed in was um, not a concept. It was a feeling. I'll tell you what, you just can't, you dress people up, but you just can't take them out. (laughs) First power I ever believed in, I couldn't have explained it to anybody. Thank God I didn't have to explain it to anybody. But sitting in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, I sensed a power. I sensed a power. Could not define it, couldn't describe it, couldn't deny it. But I sensed a power that was greater than me, greater than us, and something that I could truly believe and trust because I knew it was there. Tough people beginning, eh? But I'll tell you something, 47 years later, it hasn't changed much. It's still a feeling. You know, part of the problem I always had was that I tried to define God. I wanted to draw a picture, put it in a box, put definition on it. But obviously, if I could do that, it's not God. And so what I had to accept is that, thank you very much. I knew there was one decent person in this crowd. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) See how quickly you lose it? (laughs) <laughs> but what a what a powerful thing you know, to start to truly believe that there's something there, and and then, feeble beginning to be sure, but enough. Yeah, you know. I always had a kind of an approach avoidance reaction to to uh, spiritual meetings. Yeah, you know, was there was a spiritual topic, I would want to go, I'd want to go, but I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, you know. and I'd say, Jesus, not that third step again. You know, but here we go. And so I'd always go. And so it's a very, very delicate process for some of us. And so when, when I look at that spiritual foundation that's laid out, particularly in the second and third step, for a guy like me, it is critically important to keep it in perspective and to not get carried away with some kind of high-toned notion of what the spiritual life is about. I really like the way our book approaches it. I like the way our book approaches most things. It says that it's okay to have your head in the clouds, something like that, but keep those big feet on the ground. And so when I start thinking about the spiritual life, it's easy for a guy like me to jump to extremes. But it's very important to me to remember from whence I came And that what I came to believe in is a power that I felt within me. And so when I start to turn my life over to that power, it's very important to not let that get into some heavenly magic show. That it's a matter of utilizing the power that's a part of my life. And my my thought was always like when I first started trying to learn to pray, I always I, I didn't know how to pray. And I would want to pray for everything. You know, I'd pray for crop failure in India, you know, and all kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> it didn't have much to do with anything. But but learning how to pray in a way that really had effect in my life uh, was, a, was something to learn. It was not an automatic kind of a thing for me. And so it becomes a, a, a very real kind of a function in my life. To this day, I still don't. I gotta, I gotta find a way to hide. You might get shades or something like that. And I'll do it like this. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, I don't get too carried away with that kind of stuff. You know, I, I like to, 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 to recognize is that the power within has to connect with the power without. And I don't get a lot more complicated than that. You know, when I start looking at how to live the spiritual life, I will find Cody. I can, I can keep the, I can keep the shade out. Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I just look bad. <laughs> um, the the real key thing for me is about being in tune, being in tune, so that the power that lives within is in tune with the power that's larger than us. You know, the large, the higher power. It's about being in tune. I'll give you an example of of. Uh, of how that how that functions in my life, I fly a lot, you know, and and I have a lot of experiences having to do with flying. One day I was I was I was walking down the concourse, rushing down the concourse at the airport in Chicago at O'Hare Airport, and uh, I realized that I was grinning. Well, you don't grin in airports everybody's mad in airports. No, <laughs> nobody grins. I mean, you look like an idiot when you're walking down. The... <laughs> and so I realized I was grinning, and I felt embarrassed, and so I put on my game face, you know, so I could go, go down to the airport. <laughs> and then it dawned on me something very important. What is it that causes a guy... To have that kind of blissful state of mind. What is it that causes a guy to get in that condition? And, and what it settled down to with me was that there are three things that, are, that were important to why I was in that condition walking down the, the concourse of that airport. I was who I'm supposed to be. No pretense. No role playing. I am who I am. I am where I'm supposed to be. I was on the way to Fargo, North Dakota, which makes Iceland look like Key West, Florida. And it was February. Nobody ought to be smiling going to Fargo, North Dakota. (laughs) But I was where I was supposed to be. I'd made a commitment, and I'm in the process of keeping that commitment. So I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, doing God's work. Yeah, I made a decision to turn turn my will and my life over to the care of God. So I'm out doing God's work, and I'm walking down the airport grinning. (laughs) There's a name for that, at least that I've coined. It's called that's a zone to me. It's like getting into a zone. Where it's almost like cruise control, you know, you're just kind of, kind of rolling. There's a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him up here, but there's a guy down in our country, in North Carolina, that plays basketball. His name is Michael Jordan, and uh, and he has uh, been fairly proficient at that game. And one day, if you ever saw the reruns of it, it's been run a million times. He was in a game with somebody, and he was one of those times when he could not miss the basket. I mean, he could just throw it from mid-court, you know, and the thing would just go in. And he just scored astronomical number of points. (laughs) And he was trotting down the court one day, the thing that got on the rerun so much. And he looked over at the opposing team bench, and he gave it that, yeah. Uh, don't ask me, man. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. It's just going that way, and that's the way this is. You know, when that thing is working, I mean, life really sings. It really sings for Michael Jordan, for me, and I suspect for you. Yeah, you know, I used I used to play golf a little bit. I'm on the injured reserve list right now, but I'll be back. But but <laughs> I'm not playing at the moment. And I've never been a great golfer. Yeah, I was decent, but not good. And one day I was playing, ran into a couple of old guys that, uh, one of them I sponsored the program, and they asked me to play with them, and I said, yeah, okay. So I played, and I'm on the next to the last hole on the front nine. And uh, if you're not a golfer, that may not mean much. That's the first half of the game, you know. And when you finish the first nine holes, you have to go eat a hot dog, whether you like it or not. <laughs> And uh, tell lies and get ready for the next half. And so I finished that. Uh, on the eighth hole, I realized that I was shooting an extremely low score. And so I played the the, the, the ninth hole. And I set, uh, tied the course record for the lowest score in the history of that club. Now, I tell you, I'm not that good. So I I was choking down the hot dog. I couldn't wait to get to the back. Now think about the difference between that. You know, here's a a kind of a rinky-dink golfer, and I tie the course record, and I don't even know it. You know, it's almost just like fluid motion, almost like Michael Jordan scoring that astronomical number of points. And so I got in the clubhouse, and I started thinking. (laughs) Boy, wait till I get on that back night. God, I'll bring this course to its knees, man. I'll break the record. <laughs> I was 15 strokes worse. Oh, <laughs> See what I'm talking about? You know, the, the spiritual life, when, when I'm in tune and when I'm doing naturally and freely exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, my God, does it ever work. Does it ever work? And so I trust God because I know what happens in my life when I trust and impune tune and practice this life. And so it's a natural kind of a thing where life works amazingly well. I'm a guy, you know, like the book says that the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to leave it, live it. I'm somebody who truly believes that. You know, when I first came into AA and I heard people talking about living a spiritual life, I really did think they sounded like spiritual robots. And it sounded just abnormal to me. You know, some guys talk about, well, I'm looking around for a parking place and I can't find one, so I prayed and somebody's Volkswagen just disappeared, you know. And I had to miss space. You know, well, that's about how it sounded. Now I talk like that. I, I can't believe it. But it's different with me. Of course it is. <laughs> I use it in everything that I do. There's nothing of significance that I don't do, based on the spiritual life. Every morning, you know, when I start my day and recover from the night before, I, when I start my day, I start it out with a very simple prayer. You know, I, I don't pray for survival anymore. I don't take it for granted, but I don't pray for that. You know, what what I pray for is Thanks for what you've given me. You know, thanks for the life. And, and I ask God to help me be a good example. I want to be somebody who reflects well what this life's about. And when we talk about a program of attraction, we're not talking about an ad on television. We're not talking about a booklet or a brochure. What we're talking about, the program of attraction, is us. And it's what kind of an example am I to somebody else? So I ask to be a good example, to be worthy of the gift, and that takes some good living to be worthy of the gift, and to be sensitive to opportunities to be of service. Now, I guarantee you, when you pray that prayer and you mean that, you will get opportunities to be of service. Who knows how many ways? But when I'm tuned in and sensitive to trying to be a spiritual person in my life, there's absolutely no limit to it. Sometimes it may simply be saying to a guy that's loading boxes, hey, geez, I bet that's hard work. Or saying to somebody in a restaurant, thanks for the service. Just simple little things like that. How many people there are in this world who need a little bit of encouragement? Don't need any profound stuff. Just need a little encouragement. You know, it's like I mentioned about how much time I spend in airport. And I'll, I'll shift in a, a little bit into the the payoffs that come. Now, I do that because I believe that and I feel that. And I swear to God, it's amazing what happens when I try to live the spiritual life. I, and I could give you thousands of, of examples, but I, I'll just give you, give you a few. <clears throat> you remember when 9-11 happened? I had to fly the next weekend. Well, flying the next weekend was not a good plan. <laughs> but it wasn't my plan, so I had to go and I had to show up. Airport looked like Beirut. I, I mean, it was bad news. Everybody standing around with guns and mad, and, and I mean bedlam pure bedlam. So I'm checking in and uh, trying to. And there was a poor lady uh, by herself. Uh, uh, And uh, during that little flurry of stuff, the person on duty had to do everything. Had to control the crowd, do the ticket, do the, not the physical search, but had to move the suitcase for you and all that stuff. Well, I was watching this poor lady that was doing it and she was a I'll be diplomatic. She was a sort of well-nourished girl. And uh, she and she was sweating. I mean, she was not glowing. She was sweating and not having a good day. And uh, so I got up there, and I, I figured I'd just lighten her up a little bit. You know, I mean, she didn't have time for too much frivolity. but I said, I said, man, there's is something, is She said, you're damn right there's something. And I said, i tell you what you do. You work on to quitting time and then take the rest of the day off. And she, 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 said, she, she said, you better believe I'll take the day off, and I'm taking tomorrow off, too. I said, go for it, girl. You go for it. I mean, so we, we just, just kind of it around a little bit just to give her something other than complaints. Yeah. Well, I finished up the ordeal, and I kind of enjoyed it, and she did, too. And so I started walking off. Now, I'm in the middle of Beirut. You know, it guns everywhere, and everybody's mad, including her. And I hear this voice, Mr. (laughs) Ivester." I said, "Now what? She said, come back, I forgot something. She had kicked me up to first class. (laughs) I could just picture that old Yankees saying, how did I get out of my seat? I had (laughs) to... Spiritual life not a theory. We have to live it. <laughs> and it pays. I mean, it absolutely pays. And it's not, it's, not a, it's not manipulation of the world. It's just the way it works. You, know, you hear that thing in here that you can't give away more than you get? Believe it. Believe it. You can't give. I'll give you one more example of a thing that, how am I doing? Petur is not back with the cane yet. It, well, we're headed somewhere close to, to Home Strait. No no don't, don't get your hopes up now, not real quick, but we're headed there. <laughs> when I was working, I'm I'm unemployed now. Pitiful story. <laughs> you may want to take up an offering to to help out. <laughs> but when I was working, I, I worked in a in an office complex downtown. And uh I'm the kind of guy, I'm either wide open or dead stop. Moderation is not my name. That is not me. And so I'm the kind of guy, I either take a two-hour lunch or none. (laughs) And so there's a little rescue place for guys like me in the next building to mine. So I, I would go about every six months or so. I'd go over there just to get survival food, you know. And so I walked in one day, and there was a little, little, really bedraggled you know, little gal working in there. And she just looked like she'd been beat by everything in life, you know, just sort of, sort of beaten down gal. And so I, I started messing with her. Yeah, just sort of loosening her up a little bit. And so we visited. And I said, I'd like a tuna sandwich. Tuna, yes, yeah, tuna sandwich. It's a good thing I like tuna, because, good God, man, I had tuna slapped everywhere. You know, I mean, that stuff was running all <laughs> Well, nice visit. About six months later, I'm back. When I walked in, she's still there. Yeah. And when I walked in the door, I, I mean, I didn't even say hello. She grabbed that bread, <laughs> and she started slathering. I, I wanted a ham sandwich, but <laughs> not that day. I, and she slammed that toot on that stuff. <laughs> but you see the point, you know, that that thing about how I approach life. You know, how do I go about putting this spiritual life into play? And boy, does it ever pay off. You know, I do it in everything that I do. Every time I speak, that's where I walk this morning. You know that. I have to get spiritually prepared for what I'm going to do if I'm going to do God's work. Otherwise, if I get lost in my head and I just want to have nice little nice things to say, then then I lose it. So I I pray about that. If I do a 12-step call, the only preparation I do for a 12-step call is going up the steps, ask God to help help me do it. And so that's what I do in everything I do. Uh, Let me give you just a couple of, of, of sort of... I mean... The spiritual life is wonderful, but what we get restored to is life, life. We don't get transcended from life to some higher existence. We get restored to life. You know, our book says that we absolutely insist on enjoying life, not a party or a movie or a dance. We enjoy life. We enjoy it as it comes. And it's good to know that because sometimes life is pretty tough. Sometimes it's so good I'm delirious. Sometimes it pure sucks. I mean, it just sucks. Most of the time it just sort of goes along, you know. But that's life. And, And tough times are going to come. The good news about the spiritual life is that I don't care how tough it gets, Trusting God is good business. I had a thing happen in, 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 in business. Everybody in business does not practice principles. <laughs> not everybody. <laughs> I know that's shocking to you. <laughs> and, but I, I, was, I was heading an organization and had several hundred employees. And there was a, I don't know if you'd call it a hostile takeover or what, But there was a decision made about my organization without consulting me. Well, I did not respond well to that, not not at all. (laughs) And I had 41 employees who were negatively impacted by what happened. Well, my belief is when I supervise people, I care for them as much as, as, as I do the supervision of them. That part of it is to to be accountable for their welfare. And <clears throat> so, on the good side, I took real, real exception to 41 folks that that trusted me being yanked around and negatively affected by something. And and I was uh, angry is too kind a word. I was I was grimly mad about that thing. And when I get really mad, I revert to street thinking. And I'm thinking I'm gonna somebody's gonna pay for this. I mean I'm gonna knock somebody out. I, I, I'm not thinking about negotiation. I'm thinking about I'm gonna knock somebody out. But when I, <clears throat> so I was at a at a level in the organization. I demanded a hearing, and uh, was given the hearing. And if you can picture this the hearing is i have to meet with seven people all of whom had gained from what happened and i got to meet with them well i'm looking forward to it want to get seven and uh now i'm going up i'm driving i had a 75 mile trip i'm driving up there i'm preparing for the meeting and what I'm really prepared for was how many ways can you pronounce SOB? It, it, I mean, I, I really was ready for some, some action. And then, then it dawned on me. I had read something that morning that it took me a while to sink in. It said the difference between man and it named some animal is the ability to love its enemies. Yeah. Simple little thought like that triggered different kind of thinking. And what I did was literally, literally, what it says in the book, that, that, that pray for the folks that you got resentment about. <clears throat> I took every individual that I was to meet with and, and put their presence in my mind. Knew them well. Put their faces in front of me. And then I thought about even if it's sick, the guy probably thinks he's right. He probably thinks he's right. Gave him the benefit of the doubt, released him, gave him the benefit of the doubt, and then prayed for the well being. Well, by the time I finished the circle, I was at peace. I was at peace. And I went into that meeting a worthy adversary. If I'd gone in there trying to outmuscle or outthink, they would have eaten me alive. <clears throat> it took two days to go through. I had to review 41 decisions and defend my position on 41 of them. The first day <laughs> we met till about six thirty or seven o'clock at night. And the head of the, the the big head of the outfit said we're going to have to break and come back tomorrow. And I said, "No, no, no. No, don't do that, man. I got to drive 75 miles to come up here. Well, you know, I didn't want to quit. I'm on a roll. So far, I have I have not lost one single decision." And and he said Tom, we got a break because I think you've got us punch drunk, and so I said, "Okay, fine." Well, I didn't want them to rest because I wanted to knock them on out while I had them. And, but the next day I came back, and out of forty-one decisions, I won forty. I think I could have won the other one, but I, I figured I'd better throw them a bone. <laughs> but but you, you understand what I'm saying? I didn't try to outsmart them, didn't try to outthink them, didn't try to outtough them. What I asked was for God to make me free so that I could go in and hear this, do what's right. I was prepared, if I had to, I was prepared to lose every fight. But because I was genuinely concerned about doing the right thing, What I do is trust God that my higher power will help me do those things. And so when I'm spiritually sound, when I am really toughened up in the principles of this, I'm about as tough as they come, about as tough as they come. And if you let me try to do that on my own, I get eaten alive. And so the spiritual life is not a weak sister performance. It's about taking a place responsibly in this world. It's about being willing to take a stand. And so it's not some kind of a a, a soap opera type of deal. It's about how to to function in this world with great effectiveness. And and so I'm deeply, deeply grateful that we have a program that's all spiritual. I trust God not because I figured out a concept. I trust God because I know him. And I know how it works. I trust what I believe. I trust what I see. I trust what I experience. And man, my experience has absolutely been out of sight, out of sight. And I hope yours is that way, very much so. I can tell you that what we got hold of here is real power, real power. And I wish you well in it. Thank you. Thank you.
1: þakkaum Tom kærlega fyrir thank you thank you Tom hérna við ætlum að taka nokkra spurningar eða hafiðu eitthvað spurningar í sambandi við hérna toppingið guði að endilega að, hérna, spyrja Tom núna bara rétt upp hendir að hefur eitthvað spurningar og við erum að t- tala um sko 47 ára retro sko þanna er kanska það er <hæmur> <hæmur> Kannski eit- eitthvað sem eitthvað hefur. Hann hefði að þetta of langt Þannig að hérna. Já. Yes, hello. Uh, do you do meditation every morning? Do you work out, do meditation and for how long?
0: Now, I quit drinking, but I didn't quit manipulating. I I still, yeah, I do. The the short answer is no, but let me give you a little longer answer. I I, I do meditate every morning. I missed it this morning, but I made up for it because you had a small ocean out there, and I was able to do it. I love water. I love running water. And my greatest meditation, when I really want to get my soul cleaned out and get the, the, the energy coming in, I love to get by moving water. So, for a long time, I wanted a pond at the back of my house, and uh, my wife was not f- real keen about me spending that much money. So I gave her a pond <laughs> I gave her a pond for her 33rd wedding anniversary. and uh, <laughs> she, she's starting to like it) I think. <laughs> But, I mean, you got to go to great lengths if you want to meditate. And so, yeah, a lot of times, you're on every day that I can, I love to get out by that pond, and, and I, med- I meditate. Yeah. And I meditate. Sometimes it, it's not I don't hum a mantra and go into a lotus position. I, I, I just sort of think about stuff. The biggest problem I have in meditating is shutting my mind down. Because, like everybody else, i got a lot of stuff on my mind. and And so when I start to meditate... It takes me a little while to get it shut down, you know, so that I can be open to something. And sometimes i just take a key word. You know, I'll just take one key word to sort of focus me and get me going. You know, I could take the word love or the friend, whatever. Any kind of a word, and then I can start letting that happen. Most often, that prayer that I mentioned that I do every day, that's a big part of how I end my meditation. Because then... I'm equipped to genuinely open up and let that power come, come into my life in great effect. So, yeah, I do it every day. It doesn't take long. It, it, I'm not somebody who goes off and, 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 and stays there for a long time. I don't think you have to go to the mountain to meditate. You know, I do it on planes. I, I do it in a lot of places. I don't have to have water. That's just my favorite place. This morning I sat in the room. I looked out at the ocean. Yeah and i thought about what a great experience you'll know, be here with you guys that uh, <coughs> and uh, anyway that's what i do yeah but i make that a part of my not only as my daily routine but i'll often do that you know, periodically you know, when i've got the opportunity i'll just do it great great energy builder yeah thanks
1: yeah hello uh, my name is markus uh, there's a warning, uh, you know. Uh, d- 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 w- w- you can't be enlightened in-, in the state of enlightenment all the time. And, you know, when I've 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 uh, felt this zone sometimes, and the next day I think I'm in the zone, but really I'm just listening to some voices in my head. <laughs> do you do you have any warnings or or you know what is the will of God and what is my will, you know, any warnings?
0: Help me if I missed it, but I think you were talking about those periods where you get into the blue funk or something, or thund- you're not really in tune and things are not zinging. Of course that happens, yeah, of course it does. The, um, what I find is that, and for me, I, mean, I like simple stuff. Most profound things are simple. And uh, so I like simple stuff. Often, if I get agitated, you know, if I start to get a little bit edgy or stuff like that, that simple little Serenity Prayer is the greatest thing I have ever found to get my compass set. You know, so I can get a real fix. I don't have to get a complicated deal. That's a very direct. That's a powerful prayer. When you think about it, that our whole spiritual concept is tied up in that thing. That's a powerful prayer, and I use that thing a lot. I, 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 everything reminds me of an experience. I, I, I tell you, that it not only helps me, but it can be helpful to others. I was flying somewhere one time, and uh, uh, we started to land. And the fellow sitting beside me, what, you could see his hands gripping the, gripping the handles. And I thought, well, you know, do I, do, I, do I be polite and not act like I see him? Or do I say something? So I said something. I said, tough, isn't it? And, he, boy, he just came unglued. He said, man, you don't know. He said, I am so terrified in these stupid planes, and I have to fly. I cover the country. I have to fly. i got no choice. And he said, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and I lied just a little bit. There there was a kernel of truth in it, but I lied a little by by, by insinuation. I said, you know, I used to have a lot of trouble. I didn't tell them I've only been scared one time. (laughs) But I I said, I I, I qualified. I I had trouble. And I said, I found a way to deal with it. And and he was hungry. You, You talk about a guy hungry. He said, what did you do? And I said, well, I belong to a program, and we have a little prayer that we use that I find to be an extremely important tool. And he said, what is it? (laughs) So I told him, and so he said, wait a minute, say it again, you know, as he's writing it down, you know. (laughs) know, We don't realize what a tool we've got. You know, that guy would have given me his next paycheck for that. (laughs) And so, you know, it's not just a good tool for me. But it's a good tool in working with others. That the spiritual life is available. All I've got to do is plug in. And the simpler, more direct I can make that, the better. Yeah. And so that's what I do. Of course, I get a committee in my head, just like you're talking about. Just we all do. But it's such a simple thing to be able to come back and say, Whoa, well, let's get this thing back in tune. Yeah. So that's what I do. And it works awfully well. Yeah. 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 else? Just be. Uh, I keep sitting down. But if there's anybody else, anything. I. What are we? Oh, here you are. I thought the boss had left.
1: Oh. Okay. I, I think we just we just stop for now, and then we have the the long questions and answers session afterwards. So he said,
0: "Blindel hoefen." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thank you.
1: Er við ætlum að taka hérna þá 10 mínútna þásu en það er hérna áreiðandi tilkynning húsasmiðjan fyrir að opna og og við meigum ekki leggja í stæðunum fyrir framan húsasmiðjuna við verðum að hérna að halda sátt við húsasmiðjuna svo að fá ekki slæmt orð af af og þannig endilega þeir sem að eru með bíla þar að færa þá og það eru stæði hérna við hliðina til dæmis á húsinu og í nágrænunum og við ætlum að taka svona 10 mínútna